Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Put my Bible open to uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Invite you to join me there. I know that we live in an age now when you say that you don't hear a lot of leaves turning. You <laughs> see lights flashing from devices. I'll start reading at the first verse. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest she be weary and faint in your mind. Father, I pray that you would give me the mind of the learned, tongue of a ready writer, O God. Pray that you would breathe life on this dead letter, that it might live. Pray that you would allow me, O oh God, to unburden my heart in such a way that this great people would go from this place with the common testimony that it was good to be here. Well, we've been in the presence of the King, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I have entitled this, Enjoying the Benefits of Obedience. I know that uh, that is not a popular thing today when you talk about obedience, but I believe that there's great benefit in obedience. And I'd like to take my thought this morning from the, the first verse of that chapter. Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, enjoying the benefits of obedience. I believe in the mind's eye of the writer of Hebrews, I believe that he saw us as in an amphitheater, Surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, those that had gone on before us, the patriarchs, the heroes of faith. And I want you for a minute to just picture yourself in whatever you're going through this morning, whatever struggle you've had over the past week, I want you to picture yourself as though you were in an arena, in the round. And as you begin to think about the struggles and the situations you've dealt with over the past weeks and months, I want you to look up and see all the old patriarchs, all the old heroes of faith, calling your name and saying the struggle is worth it. You can make it. 
Just as I got here, you can get here. You can make it. You're, it's going to be all right. And they're calling you by name. Some of those that you even knew that have gone on before you. Grandma and grandpa that was strong in the faith. They're in that amphitheater and they're looking at you and they're saying, you can make it, baby. It's going to be all right. You can, come, you can get through this situation. There is nothing that has hit your life that you cannot get through. For my Bible says, looking unto him, <laughs> the author and finisher of our faith. So you can get through it. It's going to be all right. Enjoying the benefits of obedience. I also believe with every fiber of my being, others may believe that it wasn't, it's not so much that they are looking at us and cheering us on, but they're looking at us and the endurance of our faith in this journey. Whichever one you choose to believe, there are those that have gone on before us and their lives, the Bible says, are written as an example to us. That whatever you're dealing with, it isn't the end. I don't care what it, you know, we've all had some things hit our lives. I, I, you may be like me. I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I'd come from a very difficult place. I, we won't spend time dealing with that, but it just felt so good to be saved. I remember my wife took me to a noonday service, a prayer service, and uh, I, I, I went with some resistance, but I went anyway, a little uh, church. Uh, they had taken a little house in the neighborhood and made a church out of it, had a little wooden floor, and they called me up front and took me down front by the, the little uh, handmade altar that the pastor had made. And, and these sisters that used to conduct, conduct a noonday prayer, they got a hold of me. And uh, uh, you know that old song that we used to sing, I went to a meeting one night, my heart wasn't right, something got a hold of me. Well, these sisters got a hold of me. And uh, uh, I don't know about you if you've been in Christian a many length of time. Uh, generally, the sisters that... Uh, uh, run the noonday prayer. They're generally a, a little larger than the average sister, and 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 uh, uh, so I don't know whether God had made it that way so that you know they could when they once they got a hold of you, they had a hold of you. And I remember uh, I remember uh, having them kind of uh, uh, praying over me and 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 a little slobber and a little you know perspiration. And I remember I got tired of it, and I looked up and I told this one sister, I said, I got it. She shoved me back down on that floor. She said, you ain't got nothing yet. <laughs> and it wasn't until she sensed in her spirit that I had it that she let me go. And uh, I remember that uh, my wife had decided that this boy is going to get saved. And so she took me to that noonday prayer, and I will never forget in fact, out of that noonday prayer came my spiritual mother that is still alive today. But that woman had such a commitment to what God had given her, the assignment God had given her. There would be nights that would, oh, two, three o'clock in the morning, uh, and I'd be living a little file. You know, I got saved, but I wasn't completely saved right away. Uh, and still, you know, slipping and sliding, peeping and hiding. And, and she would call on the phone at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And she'd say, Brother Brownlee, is everything okay? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 Mother, everything's okay. She said, <laughs> she was so sweet. She laughed. She'd say, well, you know, God woke me up. 
and, and you was on my heart. She would never tell me that she believed something was wrong. Oh, well, you know, God woke me up. And she'd be right every time. And she stayed with me. I got those calls many nights, and she stayed with me until I came through. I tell you, it's something about those old prayer meetings. There's power in prayer. I know I don't need to tell you that, but there is power in prayer. And then the writer here goes on to say that we are uh, encompassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I said a minute ago who those witnesses were, what I believe those, who those witnesses were, but I like this word cloud he uses, which in the, in the Greek and in the Latin, it generally depicts a large number of people or things. And so it says to me that there is a vast amount of those that are cheering us on and watching us. A great amount of folks are watching us and cheering us on. You know, it's nice to have, you know, your homeboys or, or, or those that you're close to that encourage you from time to time. But if you can, again, get in your mind's eye and realize that it's not just those that love you that you can see that are cheering you on. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are saying it's going to be all right. I've made it so you can make it. And so there is benefit in obedience. You see, sometimes we have a real hard time associating with joy and enjoyment with obedience because our problem is, is that when we think obedience, we think a set of rules and do's and don'ts. And when you think do's and don'ts and, and the set of rules, it's hard to find pleasure in that. But my Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. There was a great joy for Jesus because he saw you that you would someday come in if he would complete his task. And so believe me, it's not hard once you, once you walk this thing for a minute, it's not hard to associate joy and obedience. There is joy in being obedient. There's reward in being obedient. Amen. And then the writer goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight, every weight. You know, it, it, there's a difference between a weight and a sin. That's why he separates the two. Our choices are not always between what is bad and good, but sometimes between what will bog us down and what will not bog us down. That's a weight. My question to you this morning, what is the weight that you're dealing with that you need to lay aside? Now, you wives don't, no, I don't want you to say it's that man that I was sitting next to me. If I could lay aside that weight, I'd be okay. I remember many years, my wife used to tease me and tell me the trouble with me is you. <laughs> so some of you may be feeling like the trouble with you is him. But what is the weight that you might need to lay aside? What is it that, that, that may be bogging you down? Doesn't fall in the category of sin, but what is the weight? What is that thing that you have chose or that you have engaged in that is literally bogging you down? It may not be obvious to your neighbor, but you know what that weight is. You know what it is. Now, choosing 
to make the right choice and choosing to do the right thing all starts with a thought. I have never seen, and I like to use this as an example, I've never seen a drunk that got up in the morning drunk. Unless he had a real mean, he or she had a real mean night the night before, but got in the morning drunk. At some point, he, had to, he or she had to decide, I'm going to get me a bottle of liquor, whatever his choice of, of alcohol was. And then if it wasn't in the house, he had to make the decision. He's got to go to wherever it is and purchase it. He's got to uh, then uh, uh, open the, the, the cap or whatever the, the, the container is. And then he's got to start ingesting this, uh, this particular alcohol. So somewhere at some point, it all started with a thought. And anything you have engaged in, it may not be as radical as getting drunk or drinking alcohol, but it all started with a thought. The reason I mention that is because it is so important that we understand that whatever the weight is that's bogging you down, at some point it started with a thought. And thoughts are interesting because I find, I, I'd like to say this is my own, but I heard somebody say it, and it's been so long ago, I don't have to get him credit anymore. And uh, I truly believe that a thought, our thoughts influence our decisions, our decisions influence our, our actions, and our actions lead to habits, and habits develop the character that we are today. And once character is developed, good or bad, it is really who you are. You see, it's one thing to have a, what looks or appear, appears to be a good character in the public arena. But saying of God, that's not really who you are. Who you are is who you, how you present yourself in your unsupervised areas of your life. That's who you are. That's who your real care. That's what your real character is. If you cannot present yourself the same way in Kroger's tomorrow when the line is long and, and the clerk doesn't seem to know what she's doing as you present yourself sitting in the sanctuary this morning, then you may want to check your character. If when that idiot pulls in front of you on the 285 and almost tears your car up and you can't keep the same persona that you have sitting here in the sanctuary this morning, that may say something about your character. It's in those unsupervised areas of your life that determines what your character is about. And so, saying to God, it all starts with a thought. It all starts with how I begin to reason things out and how I begin to reason how I'm going to make decisions. And it is, again, as I say, it is not in your, you know, all of us can look good for 20, 30 minutes in a church service. You know, it, it, there was a story told about a, 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 a pastor that was conducting his Sunday school class with a bunch of young kids, and, and the uh, pastor said, to the young kids, I want you to tell me what is the, the, uh, the, the, the holiest place you know. Well, give, give me just a, and, he, and the pastor thought he was, you know, he was going to say something like, well, at the altar of the church and, the, and this and that. And, 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 and one little boy raised his hand and said, Pastor, I believe it's in the parking lot of the church. The pastor got a little confused and he said, in the parking lot of the church? 
Say, yeah, because you see, when mom and dad, when they are coming to church, they're just taking each other apart and and they're roasting the pastor and they're, they're, you know, talking about some of the saints. But as soon as we get out of the car in the parking lot, oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) So I believe the most holy place is in the parking lot of the church. Unfortunately, that's true of a whole lot of saints. So character is, is who you are in your unsupervised areas of your life. What is the weight that is causing you to be beset or causing you to have issues in your life? Then he goes on to say, the sins which so easily beset us, these two words, Easily beset are really difficult words. I mean, for some of the some of you scholars and you 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 theologians, it it may not be difficult, but I have found it difficult in my little uh, time of study that these two words are somewhat difficult to translate into our modern language. But what I have found is that it they can be put into four different categories. Number one, easily avoided. Number two, admired. Number three, ensnaring. And number four, dangerous. Now, I am not saying that there are four different categories of sin, because sin is sin. Too long in the church have we put sin in categories. I'm not saying that. Don't go away and saying that, well, the preacher this morning said that there's categories of sin, because uh, I didn't say that. But I do believe that this particular phrase or those two words can be put in those four categories when you look at the way the word is translated. Number one, I said there are some sins that are easily avoided. And each one of us, we know there's some stuff in our lives. We can easily avoid certain of those sins. They don't don't trip us up. They're easily avoided. Not your neighbor next door may may get caught up in that particular thing, but for you, it's easily avoided. Then number two, there are those sins that are admired. I I know you don't want to hear that. I know that you think like, well, the Bible says that there is sin, pleasure in sin for a season, but pastor, that season is over in my life. No, some of you right now, and you've been saved a long time, that sin is admired. Now, I didn't even say necessarily that you're engaging in it, but it is a sin that is admired even by the saints. So there are those that are admired. And then number three, there are sins that are ensnaring. Been there, done that. There are some sins that will ensnare you quickly. They will ensnare you. So some are ensnaring. And then finally, number four, there are those that are dangerous. I mean, literally dangerous. I believe that, that is, those are the types of sins that the, uh, 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 was spoken of in Ecclesiastes 8 and 11, where Solomon said, because a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. I believe those dangerous sins are those that another translation says that people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. And so I believe those dangerous sins 
are those that because you don't feel the sting of the consequences of that sin, it becomes a dangerous sin and it is your heart is set to do evil. Now you may say, uh, but, but brother preacher, you don't know me. I, I know right from wrong. I know you do. But when you don't feel the sting and, the, and, and that thing doesn't hit you early, you seem to think it's just human nature. You seem to think this ain't so bad after all. Well, I can get away with this. And so maybe one more time, I'll dabble one more time. Well, Solomon says those dangerous sins, when you don't feel the sting, your heart is set to do evil. So I believe that we need to be aware of the fact that there are some that ensnare, there are some that are, are, are inviting, there are some that are literally dangerous. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. Each one of them, you know where you're at. No, you know yourself better than I do, better than anybody else does. And so you know what you're dealing with. Then he goes on to say, let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. Now, again, I won't even try to pronounce the Greek word because it's Greek to me for, for race. But I like that word. It's an interesting word because it depicts the, 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 the meaning of struggle or conflict. So what it's saying is that regardless to what hits your life, regardless of what the struggles are you're going through, regardless of the conflicts you endure, Continue to run the race with patience or endurance. It doesn't matter. You see, because in this work-a-day world, stuff's going to hit your life. Every one of us, you know, unfortunately, this doesn't happen so much anymore, but unfortunately, there was a time in the church, around the time I got saved, about 300 years ago, uh, they led you to believe that once you got saved, you know, we see him sing that old song, I looked in my hands and they were new. Looked in my feet and they were too. And you just figured everything had changed. Until the next morning when you got up and you still wanted to take something that didn't belong to you. So you found out them hands wasn't new. You still wanted to go places you had no place business going. You found them feet wasn't new. And then you begin to study the word and you realize that the word says you've got to be renewed in your mind. That all that stuff hadn't changed. And so I believed initially that everything had changed and so I just wouldn't even have no desire to do nothing wrong. And that everybody loved me and life was just so sweet. In fact, that I had the feeling that this Christian life was like a gravy train with biscuit wheels. I mean, just everything was just so sweet. It, it was just all so good. Well, as I begin to try and walk this thing out, I realized that this race had conflicts and this race had struggles. But yet the Bible tells me that even though I'm faced with conflict and struggle, that I am still to run this race with endurance and patience. Because there's one that has gone on before me, my elder brother Jesus. He's already brought the prize. And so, yes, things are going to hit your life. In fact, this, this, this same word is the same concept or thought 
that the Apostle Paul was speaking of when he was ready to end his course and when he had come to the end of his life, when he said in, in, first, in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, when he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He was talking, he was saying that even though my life has been full of conflicts and full of struggles, yet I've fought a good fight and I've been true to the faith. So don't let anybody con- uh, confuse you or, or cause you to believe that it, 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 if, if you just do the right thing, you've gotten saved now, that s- things are not going to hit your life. Yeah, things are going to hit your life. But you can, you can overcome, you can be an overcomer because there is joy and, 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 and privilege in obedience. There's reward in obedience. And obedience isn't near as hard as it appears to be. Uh, uh, I remember uh, for me, you know, I was telling my, my folks at our church just the other day, I was saying that, you know, some people growing up, all you need is mama or daddy to give a certain look and you straighten up. Others, they, you know, others, they, 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 they have to go so far as to say, go get that switch. Go break me a switch off that tree. And then for some, it's like, go get me that belt. And, you know, daddy usually had a belt that he never used to keep his pants up. That belt was kept strictly for laying it on you when he needed to. And, and, you know, in some cases, you know, I, they, they used to tell me, uh, you know, you've heard this too. This is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. And, and I, I guess that perhaps that sometimes is so. But then there are those times that they ain't, they ain't really going to hurt worse than you. They just know they need to put something on you. And, and, and they want to hurt you. And thank God that in many cases they hurt us enough. To cause us not to want to go back to that thing again. Not to touch it again. They put enough hurt on us. It wasn't because we believed that the, the, the situation was so bad. But we knew what it felt like. And if we dare touch it again. If we dare went that way again. We didn't ever want that feeling again. And so there are times that obedience has great reward, even though you may not understand and you may not, you know, it ain't going to hurt me worse than you. No, it ain't going to hurt you worse than me because you ain't feeling this like I'm feeling this. But, but it, was, it was for our benefit. And so even now when you have to deal with situations and, and stuff hits your life, just know that there is great reward. In obedience. Amen. There is reward in obedience. Now, too many of us, when we think again, as I said earlier, of, of, the, of obedience or obeying and, and, and enjoyment that just don't go together. This is because we come to the kingdom with an f- inferior mindset. We come to the kingdom with the mindset that, uh, after all, uh, I should have some say-so in this, and, and I, I kind of know how to run my life. Well, if you knew how to run your life, you'd have had it together before you come to the kingdom. And most of us come to the kingdom with a mindset of a democracy and not a theocracy. 
And because most of us have lived in America all our lives, and all we know, we've never lived under a, 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 a uh, theocracy. We've never lived under a king. It is hard for us to transfer our way of thinking to a theocracy. And so our mindset that we bring to the kingdom is inferior. But my Bible tells me in Hebrews 5 and 8 that he learned obedience, speaking of Jesus, by the things he suffered. So who do you think you are that nothing should hit your life when Jesus, the God man, the writer of Hebrews said he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So things are going to hit your life. You're going to deal with so many, some things. Too many of us, when we, when we come to Christ, we give our hearts to the Lord. Too many of us, we are just happy we miss hell. And then we wind up with this pie in the sky uh, thinking. And that, uh, you know, in the sweet by and by, pie in the sky. And we never realize that before we make this journey to the pie in the sky, we got to learn to live in the nasty now and now. You see, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that heaven isn't a wonderful place. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. The Bible tells me that the streets of heaven are paved with, are, are made of pure gold, not paved with gold, made of pure gold. So heaven's a wonderful place and it will take care of itself. So you don't have to put all your energy in what's going to happen on the other side. But you've got to learn how to walk not on streets of gold, but walk on streets of concrete and asphalt in victory. We're in obedience to God's word. And so don't worry about the sweet by and by. Worry about the nasty now and now. This is where we live right now. And so too often we're so concerned and we're so caught up in what it will be. But let's worry about, let's put our energy in what it is right now. Because that's where you find joy in, and, and, and reward in obedience. Dealing with the right now and the nasty now and now. Now, I, uh, uh, let me just switch gears as I, as I uh, draw this to a close. I know that, you know, whenever a preacher says I'm, I'm preparing to close or draw this to a close, it, 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 you know, if you've been in church and you let the time, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But uh, we, are, we are about to close. Just as uh, uh, a few minutes ago, and, 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 and I am, I'm in my right mind, and I believe that I'm still in the spirit, because uh, uh, years ago, uh, an old preacher told me how to, how to gear, how, you know, as to when you wind this thing down, and when it's time to land the plane. And, and he told me, he said, I, you need to learn to preach, son, just like an old clothes dryer, that when the dryer dries up, you shut up. And so when the spirit dries up, you shut up. And so I think I'm still there. I'm still okay. So, but we're getting ready to land it, though. And I also believe that uh, I, I, I'm not like, I think Dr. D leaned over and asked me as I got ready to get up whether I was going to use the handheld mic or, or the uh, lapel mic. And, and uh, my thought went then, uh, Dr. D, I didn't say anything, but my thought went back to a little story that I heard that uh, the, uh, a preacher had found himself uh, coming down with a little virus, and so he had to go to the doctor, and, and uh, the doctor told him, said, I'm going to have to give you a shot. And he said, okay, that's fine. He said, well, I need to warn you, preacher. He said, it may cause temporary paralysis. And he said, uh, oh, that's no problem. He said, well, well, it may cause some stiffness. He said, that's no problem. He said, well, what I need to know, preacher, is 
uh, what part of your body are you not using when you preach? Because it may cause temporary paralysis. He said, well, uh, he said, because I'd like to give you a shot in your, in your arm. He said, oh, no, I can't have that, Doc. He said, because when I preach, you know, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. My arms are going. And he said, well, let me give you a shot in the hip. He said, no, no, Doc. He said, because my feet are going and I'm moving and I can't. He said, well, where can I give you the shot? He said, hit me right here, Doc. <laughs> I trust that as I come to a close... <laughs> That, that I'm using every part of me and, and, and that my mind is still at work. Now, too often we think, when we think in terms of reward and obedience, we think in terms of the preacher, the pastor, the leaders, uh, 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 the clergy, but I want you to know that this is for every believer. The reward is for every believer if you will dare to walk in obedience to God's word. There was a, a, a story told about a, 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 a school, a Christian school, where the teacher uh, told her children, she said, uh, we're going to ha- be having a preacher come visit us next week, and when he comes, he's probably going to ask us some questions. He said, I want you to be prepared to answer questions. And one of the questions he's probably going to ask is, where, who made us? And, 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 and so I said, he said, she said, I want you to just be able to, Johnny, I want you to be able to stand up and tell him who made you, that God made you. And so sure enough, sure enough when the preacher came the next week, uh, he said, I'd like to ask you kids a, 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 a few questions. And I want to start with the question of who made you? Unfortunately, Johnny was not there that day. So the little girl that sat next to Johnny stood up and said, Preacher, the boy that God made ain't here today. So so for some of us, we think that it's for someone else and it's not for us. The reward in obedience is for every one of us. God will reward you for your obedience to his word. And I'm not talking about some kind of gimmick. I'm not talking about some kind of blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. But if you will be true to his word, there is great reward in that. I have found, I've walked with God for a little while now. And I have found that truly, as Isaiah said, if I will be obedient to God's word, I will literally eat the good of the land. I have found that he is true to his word that if I will but allow him to set the course, he knows the plans he has for me. Plans for good, not to harm me. And my very favorite, and I do close with this, when you talk about the promises of God, I'd like to just paraphrase what David said. He said, I've lived a long time. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've did a lot of things. One thing I have never seen, and that is the righteous forsaken, nor see begging bread. Saint of God, what I love about that, that is not just for me. That is transgenerational. See, some of you, Unfortunately, you'll never have a whole bunch of money to leave your offspring, your children, and your children's children. Now, it's my prayer that you've got a bunch of money to leave them, but, if, but the truth be told, you know you're not going to have a whole bunch of money to leave them. 
But one thing that you should not deny them of, and you will be able to leave them. Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. Your grandchildren and your grand, great, 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 great grandchildren will never have to depend on the public assistance, will never have to depend on welfare or anything else because you live righteous. I believe that there, there's probably not a greater promise that, 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 that touches my heart any greater than that. Because when I, when I sit around and, and, and talk with my children and, you know, I'm like everybody else, whoever I'm with is my favorite, but they're all my favorite, who, whichever one I'm with at the time. When I sit around and talk, talk with them and I look at my grandkids and spending time with my grandkids, one thing I can rest assured that they can be assured of is that Grandpa is going to live a righteous life. And because of Grandpa being willing to live a righteous life, they will have a legacy of never having to beg, of never having to be without. You see, all of your, 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 your CDs and all of your annuities and all of those things that I hope you have, and all of that money you've tucked away is wonderful. But it'll never be able to give them. We hope what you've a enjoyed this life message. You live will give For them. more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300 Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.